Hey everyone, this is Sue Heilbronner with Real Leaders Radio, and I'm thrilled today to be joined by Fran Dunaway. She's a co-founder and the CEO of an incredibly cool apparel company called Tomboy X. Welcome, Fran. Hi, Sue. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. So, Fran, the way we start out these podcasts is we ask the CEOs that we interview just to share a yeah, that three to four minute life story, and I'd love for you to share yours. Oh, my goodness. Well, um, I'm an Army brat, grew up all over the U.S., and uh, found that to be helpful in being very adaptable. At 25, I was an administrator of uh, group homes, and at 30, I became an executive director of the agency. At 35, I decided that I wanted to do something more creative and sold everything and went to film school and uh, became a producer because I wanted to be in charge. And so then at uh, 50, I decided to uh, take care of a need for comfortable clothing uh, with tomboy style. And so I'm now on my technically third career. Tell me when you founded Tomboy X. We incorporated the company in 2012, but we didn't start selling anything online until April of 2013. Tell us a little bit about the company, what the focus has been, how it's changed over the last couple years. Well, it started initially because I wanted a cool shirt. I wanted a cool button-down shirt that uh, you can find in menswear like a Robert Graham or Ben Sherman. And so um, my then-girlfriend and I at the time, uh, she said, well, how hard can it be to start a clothing line? So we thought we'd just be this little um, shirt factory in our garage and have this little sideline. So we bootstrapped it, got some shirts made, some cool polos, and picked the name Tomboy because we thought it was cute, decided that we would uh, test the market by running a crowdsourcing. So we did a Kickstarter campaign and raised $76,000 in 30 days. And the most interesting thing, and I think because of my background in politics, so I was a a partner in a media strategies firm and produced political ads for about 15 years. And I recognized that there was something very palpable, um, kind of a uh, Howard Dean fervor about the brand. And I was pretty sure it was about more than the shirts. But we didn't quite know what to do with that. And so... Um, have been, we obviously put our logo on things that as soon as we got the money in and had everything in production, but it was really the brand that started resonating. And uh, lo and behold, we found some blanks, these cute little underwear that we put our logo on. Those became bestsellers. We had a lot of customers that had been telling us, you guys should make boxer briefs for women. We had no idea they weren't being made, decided that that was an opportunity that we could get behind. So we uh, kind of went for it. And um, based on a friend of ours who was a police detective, she brought in her stack of men's boxer briefs and said, this is what's wrong with them. You need to make a nice waistband. It needs to be silky soft and you know, just really went through. She's kind of a connoisseur of boxer briefs and she wears uniform and she pointed out that women in uniform really struggle finding comfortable underwear. Any, anyone that wears anything loose fitting. And so we, um, took, uh, some really good notes and, and went for it and, manufactured and introduced them in September of 2014. We uh, pre-sold them and sold out in two weeks. So that has been the trajectory that helped us recognize, okay, we were really onto something in terms of underwear 
And now we have five styles and we have fully pivoted into the undergarment space and are in the process of a, of a launching a kind of a evolution of our brand and have been working with um, some branding experts over at Crispin Portobogusky who are helping us really uh, figure out exactly how to harness this excitement and energy around a brand so that it can be for everyone. So this business originated with this idea that, oh, you know, running an apparel company can't be that difficult. Curious, what do you think about that now? <laughs> yeah, it has, uh, it's, it is more difficult than it looks, uh, certainly. And everything takes about mm, 10 times longer than you think it will. <laughs> Other than that, piece of cake. So if you had it to do over again, would you create one of those simple software businesses instead of a business that requires you to carry inventory? Well, I tell you what, I'm getting into the whole entrepreneur thing and, you know, participating in, in like merge lane and really seeing all of this exciting stuff that's out there. I have so many good ideas for software. <laughs> Preferably software related to women's underwear. Um, <laughs> so you can get that jumping off point. So what were, what do you think is the most influential thing that occurred that I think you guys have really begun to focus a lot more on undergarments and what, what led to that directional focus? Recognizing that no one was making boxer briefs for women and a lot of our core customers were wearing men's boxer briefs and then just taking a closer look at the undergarment industry, which is a $13 billion industry, and, and that that would be a place where it could be about what you're wearing underneath and what the, that layer between who you are on the inside and who, how you present on the outside being much more inclusive. You know, uh, only so many women want button-down shirts, the cool styles that I wanted, but everyone, most everyone, wears underwear. And so really saw it as an opportunity to grow the business. But I think on a personal level, I've been an activist my entire life. Uh, I started the... I was on the steering committee that started the human rights campaign in Seattle, was the first um, interim executive director for Equal Rights Washington. And what I saw when looking at, A, a group of, of people that had never been recognized or very underrepresented in the fashion industry, that being a piece of it, but the other piece being when you look at the undergarment industry and how women are portrayed and how it's so often about exclusion and just even in the fashion industry. And so to me, it's, it's become more of a personal quest journey, if you will, uh, to really find a way to kind of shake things up and, and have a company that is about celebrating our differences, that is about, you know, embracing each other. And w- that's why we knew all along we wanted to go from extra small to 4X. We want to be inclusive. We want to be about body, body positive, And we want to make some real cultural change and have a conversation about what it means to just feel comfortable in your own skin. And we feel like that starts with your underwear. Fran, you talked about your core customer, and I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit about who your original core customer was when you began selling in 13 and 14 and how that's evolved over the last couple of years. Well, I think that initially it's it was women that tend to not be conforming to uh, more feminine clothing style externally. And within that, we have a large segment within the LGBTQ community. And it's also 
an easy group to target on Facebook. And so uh, it was easy to kind of promote advertising there. Naomi and I are um, in that community, so we had a, a pretty broad base initially. But what was interesting is that within that group and outside, early on we started hearing from people that they really wanted to be included. It was always forefront in, in kind of how we go about being inclusive and so added some different styles and wanting to make sure that everyone, you know, we have really feminine women that say, you know, I'm, I'm a, I may be wearing a power suit to the boardroom, but underneath I'm a tomboy. And so really focusing on that. But, but there are a couple of things that have changed. Uh, we didn't hire employees until this past August. So it was really Naomi and myself uh, doing all of the back end and the front end stuff. And then Julie was, uh, we had Julie that was working in actually manufacturing. So, you know, we were limited on what we could do. Facebook is, is an easy way to kind of grow your customer base. But um, what we've done and since then, now that we have employees and are able to really dig in there is not only expand into a much broader category. Well, we, we know that women in uniform so that's athletes, military, firefighters, police officers, but also um, getting some blogs, blog posts out there that are about the plus-size women who wear skirts, and so that being a really important uh, target market for us. But also the millennial market is something that we've seen a 5% increase in the last just few months, and part of that is is around our marketing and outreach that we're doing via blogs and stuff like that. This topic, it's really interesting, Fran. You and I met about a, oh gosh, now, we met about a year and a half ago first. And what's so incredible is there have been all these political factors, gay marriage and shifting in the Supreme Court, the Jenner story and sort of trans women taking on a, a, a level of acceptability, trans people that we never would have expected, even honestly, even 18 months ago. And so in some ways, the entire culture is coming to you at Tomboy X. Do you think about that sometimes? You know, I think timing is everything right. And uh, I think that it was just at the right time that these things, even the word tomboy wasn't trending until, um, you know, a few months before we even launched. And so, yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. And with 88 million people in, in the millennial category where, you know, the millennials, they're just, they're just looking at gender in a completely different and evolved way. And so I think that as the gay rights movement has been out in front and people are recognizing, oh my gosh, that's my neighbor who I love. And, you know, that whole conversation has, has been about getting out there and meeting people. And I think that we're just evolving as a, uh, a culture and where we're more accepting of, of all people and, and really holding them accountable for who they are as, as people, as individuals. And so I, I, I feel fortunate that we were at the right place at the right time. But I also think that it's of, of influencing us. We're, we're evolving in tandem where I don't feel like we're necessarily leading the charge. We're just paying attention and trying to, to be that for a lot of people that are the leaders in that space. So you and I have had some conversations in the past. Obviously, you and I know each other because of the Merge Lane Accelerator, which you mentioned. One of the things that we got to talk about a lot in the course of knowing each other is 
how to position the look of the people and how to think about sort of the initial audience that birthed the company and the broader appeal. And you alluded to some of these other verticals. As you migrate into a new branding effort with this agency, CPB, that you mentioned, how are you going to be thinking about the imagery on your site and how broad are you going to be? How are you thinking about that right now? Well, if you look at the undergarment industry right now, and this is true for virtually every single underwear, even if it's some of the new ones, but they typically show people in their underwear either doing unrealistic things, like how often do you have a pillow fight with your girlfriend in your thong? <laughs> and, uh, Come on, and, friends. I know you're doing that. I know, all the time. And, and so really wanting to represent a cross-section of women out there doing things that they actually do. And so we won't have our models in their underwear doing things that are unrealistic. We may have them sitting and sipping coffee uh, or reading a book or that type of thing. But mostly you'll see the imagery on our website. It's going to be Diane out sawing or sanding the table that she's refinishing or It'll be Samantha rock climbing with her buddies, and maybe you'll see a little hint of of our waistband or something. And then the underwear itself will be um, shot floating. It won't be actually on body. And so it's really about how we're going to show women being who they actually are. And that's the disruptive piece of it that, that is astonishing that, that no one is really out there doing. I mean, even in a Calvin Klein ad campaign, you know, the guys will be doing something very powerful and looking very smart. And uh, the women are always lying in bed. You know, it's like Hilton. Somebody ran a campaign. Every hotel brand runs a campaign of a woman maybe in, you know, a tank top and sweats. And she'll be on her stomach on her beautiful, completely made hotel bed with her laptop. Like, that's how we do email. I just love those ads. So this will be totally different. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, we're really excited. The the photography is just looking fabulous. Uh, our logo is changing. And we really, one of the things that was so important to us from the beginning has been that this is a brand for the people and not the other way around. And so we we want propaganda. We want tools for people to be able to express themselves because, you know, our our lives are becoming so much around this gadget that we're carrying around in our hand and, and we are more connected than ever, but really disconnected in so many ways. And we all want to express our individuality, but there's this common spirit that, that is just about kindness and caring and how you treat each other. And so that's really where we want to be is, is in a place where the brand that, that helps people express who they are. That was just a surreptitious way of Fran to say, if you're listening to this podcast on your phone right now, just hit pause and say something really kind to somebody near you, and then you can go back and start listening again. So Fran, I know you a little bit. Our listeners don't know you as well. And here you are in the CEO role for a really dynamic, fast-growing, super current startup. I wonder if you could share the things that make you a great CEO and the things that make you a terrible CEO. Certainly. I'll start with the things that make me a terrible CEO. (laughs) No one ever does that. (laughs) Because one of the hardest things is the balance between trying to please versus not giving a a rat's ass, right? So, So I think that 
if I weren't so prone to wanting to please, I could probably handle things uh, more quickly or expeditiously than not. Um, I am trying to work on my ADD so that I can stay focused and really talk and listen to what people are having to say. Uh, I came from the world of producing with very high stakes when you're, you know, producing ads that have to be delivered for a Senate race and it's got to be there on time. And so you, you manage and, and coordinate and run the show a, a whole lot differently than you do when you're trying to build a company and a build a culture that is, uh, for a brand like Tomboy X. And so that is something that I am trying to be very conscientious of and have been listening to a lot of books on tape on my walks and or books on tape digital and uh and so really getting out there and thinking it through as we grow and build a team and so that probably leads into the things that I think are my strengths around that and that is that I'm incredibly curious I always have been I ask a lot of questions um I like to hear input from every single person on the team um, before making a decision, they can be very different decisions, but I want to hear them. And then I think being able to be in there and get in the trenches and help out whenever the team needs it. Fran, what's the biggest leap of faith you've taken so far as the CEO of Tomboy X? Underwear. Going into making our own, designing and making, manufacturing our own underwear. What's been the hardest thing to deal with? in terms of inventory related to underwear? Initially, it was knowing how quickly we needed to reorder and how much to reorder because we were selling out so quickly. Now we have a chief merchant. Amanda has really helped us know that. Uh, she was the chief merchant for Nasty Gal, the 15th employee there, so saw them through their incredible growth. When she first came in, she sat down and looked at our numbers and said, do you have a 75% sell-through rate? And our question was, is that good? <laughs> and so she's really been helping us. So keeping the inventory in, cash flow is a constant problem for inventory, in term, especially when you have that kind of sell-through rate. We have nothing on our shelves that has been there longer than six months. Staying ahead of it, bringing in new styles, and making sure that we are on top of it. So having Amanda generate weekly reports that's helping us know how much to buy, how much to get to. And, you know, when she pointed out that had we not run out of inventory in 2015, we would have been at almost double our revenue. I'm sure that was a fun message to hear. That's like bitter. It's the ultimate bittersweet message, right? Exactly. I know that you've been fundraising. You've, I think now you're near complete for this period of time, but how have you felt about fundraising as opposed to running an operating clothing business? Well, I'm certainly better at it than I was about a year ago. <laughs> Good thing. It's it's been an incredible journey. Uh, you know, I'm, I consider myself a lifelong learner. So um, most days, I've been thankful for the for the lessons I've learned in the past year. It's it's just the journey and getting to where we are. We're closing today, actually. Woo! Is the is the is the closing on our seed round? And ninety percent of our investors are female. Women tend to take longer to write a check. They tend to write smaller checks. But we have an incredibly passionate and amazing group of investors. 
I've, I've learned very much about being systematic and I've kept good notes. So any listeners want to reach out to me, I can uh, share the lessons I've learned in terms of how to be strategic, how not to take it personally and how to find people to get you some really good introductions and never taking no for an answer. That's awesome, Fran. So this is another conversation we've had before and I'm curious where you'd land. If you want to close a million dollars, how many investors do you have to have in your pipeline? Hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> I remember well, early in our relationship, we, I was like, so, Fran, how's the pipeline? You said, well, we're in good shape. We have 20 investors on it. I remember that conversation. All right. So hundreds. That's great <laughs> advice for other people. And that's very generous of you to offer to field questions and share your wisdom. Fran, what's one thing people would be surprised to know about you? Uh, let's see. I guess people would probably be surprised to know that I'm a two-time cancer survivor. How does that impact your role as a CEO or your pursuit of this business, if it does? I don't think that it does. I think that what, you know, I've always been a risk taker and kind of go about my business. But I, I think that what it's done for me is, you know, it's not the end of the world. So it's... It could be worse. And so that, that's, there's always that kind of perspective to have. Um, you know, I've, I've been through a tremendous amount in terms of, of the surviving cancer twice, but I tell you, there's nothing been more terrifying than starting your own business and, and being an entrepreneur. And that kind of vulnerability is something that I've never been used to, um, that I'm in a different place about that. You know, there's certain vulnerabilities I think that come when you're sick, but they're, to be out there and kind of asking people to believe in your dream is a completely different experience. That's cool. Thanks for sharing that. What do you think it will take for you personally to go from running your business now, which is growing 3x year over year, doing fantastic, to running a business that is potentially doing 100 or $200 million in revenue? What will have to be different about you? I think that I'll be much more about imparting direction and keeping the team rallied and feeling good. And so kind of taking on more of a, of a hands off leadership role, but, but leading the path in terms of the vision and where we want to go and how we get there. And so I think that that becomes more of a kind of a, a cheerleader or a let's get this done role rather than me just getting in there and, and figuring it out and making it happen. Does that feel like an easy transition or a challenging transition for somebody who likes to be kind of in control? Well, I don't know. I've been thinking I should probably take up, uh, you know, get, get better at golf. <laughs> <laughs> I'll play with you for sure. <laughs> that sounds like a great idea. There's That'll be something. So. Well, it's, you know, the thing is there's nothing more frustrating than golf. So it'll, it'll just take your eye off the, uh, off the frustrations of, uh, challenges of running a successful business. So Fran, thank you so much for joining us. It's just been a pleasure to just have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with you. And I know that our listeners are going to enjoy it. Once again, this is Fran Dunaway, co-founder and CEO of Tomboy X, which is leading the charge on creating a brand and a line of underwear for real women. Thanks again, Fran. Thank you very much. Take care.